0: Good evening and welcome to the Nittany Lions Sports Report. It is live here on Bob Long Sports and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, however you get your podcasts. Bob Long, Tyler Gellhouse, alongside talking about the 1-0 and Penn State Nittany Lions and dare I say it, the Big Ten Co-Offensive Player of the Week, Sean Clifford. Whoa, what the, were they, were they watching the same game? that i was i mean how the heck did that guy throw or be accountable for five touchdowns nay six touchdowns including a pick six thrown uh, to produce secondary but tyler uh, not to reveal my hand too too much but in my mind a frustrating football game a win that was great to have for a penn state football fan but my goodness If you didn't leave that game feeling exhausted, uh, I'm not sure what game you were watching.
1: Yeah, well, first and foremost, when you're talking about Clifford and Big Ten Player of the Week, I'm just or co-offensive player of the week for Big Ten. I'm not sure what kind of competition he was up against. Um, Ohio State, you know, Smith, Smith and Jigba got hurt. Stroud didn't light the world on fire. Neither did Henderson. Notre Dame played them very tough. Iowa with a conventional seven points against um it was a <laughs> south dakota state two safeties and a field goal i believe um so there wasn't much lighting the world on fire across the big 10 on offense this week so when you look at a stat line yeah he he played pretty well but um that well i don't think so um yes an exhausting first game bob you nailed you nailed it right there uh at halftime i was feeling very good especially the way the half ended with the fumble and Penn State goes down, you know, and I was kind of surprised. I don't know about you, but I was like, wow, really 20 seconds. They're nowhere near scoring or midfield and they're going for it. I'm like, I guess why not? And then lo and behold, Clifford finds strange breaks it big play, all the momentum in the world going into the half feeling pretty good. And then the third quarter was, was pretty much a disaster. Um, and you really had a lot of doubt. I mean, I know that I had a lot of doubt, <laughs> um, and then especially after that that Clifford fourth quarter pick six. Um, but at, at the end of the day, again, the only thing that we see and care about is that W in the win column, and um,
0: uh, a, a lot of good, but a lot of area of improvement as well. There's a lot to get to with this game as well, so we'll issue a little bit of a table of contents up front and do our best to get to all of it. First is we'll talk a little bit more about Sean Clifford's performance. Second, Drew Aller made an appearance and turned some heads, made a couple of mistakes, but we'll talk about his performance. Try to talk about the running game as well and, and what what we think there was that a scheme issue, a personnel issue, what happened? Dropped footballs. By the Penn State wide receiver, big big key to this game, and then talking defensively, right? Like, what were some of the, the the guys that showed up? What were some of the issues? I want to talk a lot about Joey Porter Jr. and the cornerbacks because you know, I certainly have some thoughts on that, and that was quite the polarizing issue post game. And I think we want to talk a little bit about Purdue as well and where this team fits into the fabric of the Big Ten and what what Penn State fans can take from this game. So. Let's start offensively, Tyler. We'll go offense and then defense, and I want to hear your endearing takeaway, or enduring, shall I say, takeaway from this one.
1: Offensively, um, what jumps off the bat, and you already touched on it, Bob, is the drop passes. um, Multiple drops. Parker Washington had an easy one on the screen. Keandre Lambert-Smith had two, maybe three drops. Tyler Warren dropped one from Drew Aller that was right, right on his hands. I mean, all these passes were great, by the way. They were right there. Uh, he uh, Drew Oller threaded the needle in between two guys, really right into Warren's hands, couldn't make the play. Um, and at the same time, I give guys like Warren and Lambert Smith credit because they came back and made huge catches. Lambert Smith for a touchdown uh, later in the game and, and Warren a key first down on that final drive. So um, they came back to him. They made those plays. Um, but they have to clean up the drops. I mean, a lot of these weren't even contested, contested balls. Um, and, and I know that the, the quarterbacks, I'll call it quarterbacks, um, really didn't throw for a high percentage, but you know, there's at least five drops that I can count. Um, and, and that's going to be the difference. And it almost was the difference against Purdue. Got to clean that up. That's the first thing that jumps out to mind. Um, and, and second, I will say that the running back shuffle again, um, you know, I think all backs pretty much had 30 yards rushing. Uh, Kevon Lee, obviously, with the game-winning touchdown on the reception wheel route at the end there. Um, but I still am not quite sure this rotation, and I think it's going to drag on. And I, I just think watching all three of those backs, I'll throw Ford in there because he had a really nice fourth down, fourth down play there. But when you talk about Lee, Singleton, and Allen, Singleton and Allen just look different on the screen. They look faster, quicker, um, and, and I'm just curious to see how this is going to play out because I think they're the two best backs, and I just hope it doesn't. They don't keep playing running back shuffle, and and it you know you then you get a guy that's cold off the bench. So that's kind of what jumped out to me uh, the most.
0: Yeah, from a running back depth perspective, it was very much like a baseball batting order, right? Keevon Lee. Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. And it was one drive for Lee, one drive for Singleton, one drive for Allen. By the time you get to the second half, you're basically just going through the lineup for the third time. Well, I think it's time to make a decision at that point and see it, who the hot of hand is.
1: And even so, I mean,
0: I know, like, why do you have to do drive by drive? I mean, yep. there's
1: no reason you him. can't mix them up for different reasons. I mean, Third and one, bring in, bring in Lee or or even Allen a bigger back. I mean, you know, or or a third and seven, bring in Ford. He's a, he's a good third down back. He has good hands. He has experience. He can pass block. I think you have to go more situational, not so much off of a script. Instead yeah, of saying, I okay, I got to go, Lee, you're going here. You know, like you just said, and 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 it's what's going to happen is you have Lee starts the game right first series. Then he's go, then it's going Singleton Allen series. It could be another 30 minutes of actual time before he goes back in. Then you're going to run into the issue of getting tight or cold, you know, not having a ball in your hand too often, fumbling, all, all that kind of stuff is, is stuff that you have to think about. And I just wish that they could, it didn't have to be so scripted and you go with the hot hand situational, you know, I, I think that's, that's what they should do. And I'm hoping they do it here pretty soon.
0: I agree. I agree. I, I think when we talked about the preseason show, getting ready for this game, as well as the, the rest of the season, Mike Yersich put up or shut up type time. Kirk Shiraka was let go for, for last, you know, from, from not as uh bad of shortcomings as, as what we saw at times last year. And so it's put up or shut up. That's officially a big boy position. And James Franklin has a lot of resources to a lot of money to throw at a big name coordinator. If this doesn't work out and quick, and, and listen, I'm not calling for anybody's job at this point. They are one to oh, know, and that is impressive. Uh, but I think getting some type of system there and, uh, and not being so mechanical with who's right. running back is going to go in, when and where, you know, I think that's a big deal. Uh, all that said did not see Nick Singleton's best. Um, you know, listen, I, A friend of the show, um, both the Singletons as well as our our buddy Bruce Badgley, talked to Bruce and he said he doesn't feel that they are running it to Nick Singleton's strengths, right? Singleton is a guy who's a single tailback, deep back, a lot of momentum when he gets the football going forward. I said, Bruce, that is not Penn State's offensive system. I'm sorry to tell you that, right? But it's a fair point that he brings up that. These kind of standing next to the quarterback in the shotgun, taking a ball, going sideways and kind of cutting up field. It, it does take away a little bit of momentum of these guys. Sure. You know, there are creative ways to get the ball downhill from that type of formation, but uh, we haven't seen it. It's more of <laughs> hey, I think Joel Klatt said it well, felt like they needed to run the ball first and second down almost to prove a Every point.
1: series, right.
0: And when it didn't work out and they needed to get points, they basically abandoned it. It was not weaved creatively into the offensive flow. Right. I
1: thought – I thought. I agree. I think it was a little obvious. I mean, um, it seemed like every first and second down was a run, and they'd get – which is – third and threes are fine. I mean, they're better than third and eights, third and nines, but, but it, it was happening – it was becoming too predictable. And um, the first run of Singleton's career was a nice little nine or ten-yard run. You know, they got, them, they got them going more downhill. Now, it was out of shotgun, I believe. But Penn State did go under center a lot and gave the running backs the ability to, to get that running start downhill, which which I like to see, and I hope they use it more. And, um, you know, I, I don't... I'm not going to discount it after one game that they're not running Nick Singleton to his strength. Interesting to note, though, from somebody that has watched him play for years now at the high school level. Um, you have to figure that Hopefully that the coaching staff is smart enough to say, "Hey, look, this is his strength. Let's run him this way and get the most out of him that way." I have confidence that they will, but definitely an interesting tidbit there.
0: Yep, uh, looking at the wide receivers a little bit, Mitchell Tinsley, he's a number one type of guy. He is a great compliment to Parker Washington. I think Penn State has bona fide one-two punch there. Certainly, uh, yeah, the rest of the receivers need to catch the football, but man. Tinsley looked great, big, strong guy, can elude tackles, looked sure-handed, certainly compared yeah. to some of the other ones out there. Yeah. I really like what you have in Mitchell Tinsley if you're a Penn State football fan and if you're Sean Clifford, Drew Aller, whoever's going to stay on the field as a quarterback, he's a safety blanket.
1: That's an incredible transfer pickup there. Um, a guy that's played a ton of football at Western Kentucky, uh, put up numbers there as, as Pretty much their their whole offense does because they're like air raid, I guess. Um, But pleasantly surprised. I mean, not the fastest guy. I guess you could say he's deceptively fast, but good route runner, good hands, yards after the catch, which is amazing to see from a wide receiver, physical. Um, Yeah, he he had a huge night. He had the the touchdown, which Gus Johnson was so excited about. Um, I don't know if you, you saw his reaction to the touchdown, but it was like he was reading off the paper and was like, Oh, and that's a touchdown, Tinsley. <laughs> um, for someone that's an exciting guy, Gus was not too thrilled about that. Um, but at the <laughs> end of the game too, on that game winning drive, I mean he took what a, a five yard pass yeah. and took it forty yards or so.
0: Gus um,
1: was excited about that though. Did he he, was, that? he, was. he, he was, that was. He was. I think he was snoozing a little bit in the first quarter or the second
0: quarter, whenever that touchdown was.
1: Um,
0: but but he overstated that last drive. He said that was one of the best drives that i've seen in my years of watching football loosely quoted there and don't get me wrong it was a nice drive was that one of the best drives that you've ever seen in any, this in year any level this of year this
1: year in college football it was
0: <laughs> yeah right the first game of the year uh, aside <laughs> from the week 0 games sure
1: yeah. yeah so um i mean but going back to tinsley i you know Wide receiver with losing Dotson, and I know again this is only one game. That was a huge like who's going to fill in? Okay, Washington's a nice slot player, you yeah. know. Keandre Lambert Smith will probably start, and 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 so on. And Tinsley has really grabbed that spot, and he is a security blanket. I agree with you 100. percent
0: Yeah, Tyler Warren made a heck of a play down the stretch there on that drive. That was not a great throw. I mean, no, certainly, you let him had- like two. He led him, like, too far and got crunched, and he held on to it. He sure did. He sure did. I mean, I get it. That ball needs to have pace coming through a tight window, and it probably just missed its spot. But Tyler Warren, that's a heck of a play. He has a chance to be a special tight end. They're going to need it, too, with uh, Theo Johnson being banged up to start the year. They're hoping to
1: get him back on Saturday, so we'll see.
0: Are they? Okay. I was thinking it might not be next Saturday. Hopeful.
1: They're, They're hopeful for him.
0: Got it. Uh, offensive line I thought it was I thought it was serviceable I didn't think it was great I didn't think it was awful I what I saw out there Tyler was a little bit of stop me if you've heard this before on this podcast happy feet from Sean Clifford and kind of abandoning what were half decent pockets early at times which led to more issues. It was not a great, yeah. not a not a sterling performance from the offensive line. I think Sean Clifford made it look worse than it actually was. I I would say that
1: um the offensive line compared to what we're used to seeing them do lately, it was better than what we're used to in my opinion. Um
0: maybe with the exception of Caden Wallace. He looked awful, unfortunately.
1: Yes. And um outside of him I thought the pass protection was really really good i mean he, i thought the run blocking was okay certainly room for improvement but yeah i mean clifford still is gonna have his happy feet he threw off his back foot on that pick six which you know if he just steps into that throw he has tinsley there yes there's four guys like in, in the vicinity but if he steps into that instead of throwing it off his back foot there's a good chance he completes that um so yeah i, I'll I don't stop know if
0: you there just just to say about that throw because we we can't mince words we well, right? should have thrown it he's, he's, he's a pretty good college quarterback generally right. he may or may not take a team to a national title which i know is, is what penn state fans want want to do that throw right there is not a college football throw and i'm not just talking about the results it's what you said the mechanics were poor uh, if you're gonna throw one, you don't air mallet. You put no, it and right. Put a high and wide. I mean, that is a that is an interception. 85 percent of the time that you throw the ball like that, and it's completely inexcusable. And and Sean Clifford would tell you the same thing. It was a lapse in judgment. It was a lapse in mechanics. And that's a ball that is going to be mm. intercepted almost every single time that it's thrown. Yeah. And as a high-level college quarterback, you you just can't do that.
1: Yeah. And with and with six years' experience, I mean, it was just. It's like, come on, man. Like, you, you've you done this before and we're still doing this. And thank God, you know, they were able to still win the game and put together a great drive. Um, but yes, terrible, terrible throw. Um, ho- hopefully, we don't see that again next year. The problem is, is we've seen it so much in the past. Um, but next, going
0: back, uh, I... <laughs> next year, you're thinking the Clifford's coming back for a seventh year <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> get, get... Going back to what you said about the offensive line, Caden Wallace, I, I'm it's very frustrating because I think he has a lot of potential and skill. And a lot of people think that he's better suited at guard on the interior. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. Um, They like him at tackle because let's face it, we really don't have tackle depth Mm -hmm. and um, not even depth, just even like high quality starters. Um, I don't know.
0: Although Efner came in and did an okay job. He did
1: a good job. So now you have to think, do, I'm sure they're thinking about it. Do we slide Wallace in to a guard spot? Do we maybe kick Tangwall out to the right tackle spot? Efner can still be a utility guy that can pretty much be plug and play anywhere. Um, I I don't know because he was the major issue on, on the opposite side. I thought o, Olu Fashanu played tremendous at left tackle. Um, and I know they're really high on him. and um, they are in the making. Yeah, I mean, again, when you don't when you don't hear an offensive lineman's name, usually it's a, it's a good thing, um, unless they're pointing out positives. But I don't think he got beat for any sacks. Um, so that, that's my big thing is the right tackle right now. What are you going to do with that position? I think you know you you know you're going to have juice at center. You know you're going to have Olu at left tackle. Okay, so I think everything else, and even probably Salim Warmly at at um at right guard. So now between left guard and and. And right tackle, do you, do you flip them? Do you put Ethner right tackle and keep Tangle at left guard? Do you put Norzad at left guard and Tangwall at right tackle? There's a lot of things yeah. that can happen. I think they're going to kind of probably play out a couple different scenarios this week against Ohio.
0: Yep. And uh, Norzad, of course, for, for the listening folks, the Ivy League transfer, um, very similar to what we saw uh, last year with Eric Wilson. Uh, bigger, stronger, rangier guy than eric wilson more athletic yeah, yeah. no doubt but a, a really nice transfer coming in there to add that depth um to the offensive line and then sal warmly like you mentioned you know a guy that i think we all learned a lot more about in the offseason when it came out i think it was the end of year press conference where james franklin said hey listen he was slated to be the the starting guard last year before he got hurt uh, so I think it eased uh, some concerns of fans when they thought, well, you know, here's another guy who hasn't had any experience and, and wasn't going to be in the rotation last year. No, no. You know, he, he was going to be the starter and it's nice to see him earning his keep early on. So, listen, offensive line, I thought was OK to good uh, with yeah. a lot of moving pieces. New guys have not played on a line together. And, I'll say I am cautiously optimistic. Yeah,
1: I would okay. say that's a good word to use, and I'm thinking about it right now, and I I could be wrong, but I don't remember a false start, um, you know, with a with a new group out there and and a, and a pretty hostile environment. Um, you know, there there I don't think were many mental mental mistakes made, which which is huge, um, because that's that's a big part of being an offensive lineman. Not that I was or really know much about it, but I know you need to know everything that's going on uh, your assignments and and all that. And they, they look mentally,
0: mentally in it. Um, so we'll see where they go from here. So that leads us back to the quarterback, which we say all this, listen, Penn state did not do a great job scoring a ton of points. Didn't get above 30 much last year. This year they did 35 points. That's great. Seven of that is based on a gift at the end of the half, right? Uh, seven of it is a, late touchdown drive, which we can talk a little bit about. Don't want to dwell on it, but uh, if, if Brom handles things a little bit better from a time management standpoint on the Purdue side, that last drive probably does not happen, right? The clock expires before Penn State gets that umpteenth drive and the opportunity to win the game. But that was a great drive as well. So aside from two final drives of pass, one of which was certainly a prayer, things were not great. It was disjointed offensively. Uh, Some of that was drops, but some of that was Sean Clifford having an inability to manage the offense properly, wasn't proper footwork, didn't make the right throws, didn't make accurate throws when he did have a, you know, a, a clean pocket and room to throw, get into his throw. You know, it's a major concern for me. So Drew Aller comes in when, Sean Clifford has the runs or whatever he had going back into the locker room there.
1: Oh man.
0: And he impressed. He impressed. He can spin the football. We knew that for sure. He was, had pretty good pocket presence. He stepped up in the pocket where Sean Clifford would get onto his back foot and back pedal. Uh, I'll say this, love Joel Klatt, love Gus Johnson. Think they're maybe the best booth in college football right now. Joel Klatt was absolutely right on the money a couple of times been talking about what the freshman quarterback is seeing and how the game is moving too quickly and what he didn't see in particular on that man coverage look where the linebacker went back into coverage and he had the opportunity to run on the third and call it five and instead try to throw it in traffic, right? But that's okay. You you can learn from that. He has some intangibles, and I think his footwork is already better than Sean Clifford. Tyler, I've been saying for a long time, hey, listen, Oller, he needs to prove himself, right? And Oller, not going to come in and replace Sean Clifford right away. Sixth year is sixth year. And to some extent, some of that may be true. But consider me converted, man. I mean, you have to see it at the next level. And I know it's not a straight line with a freshman quarterback at any level, right? It's the Jay Bruce effect. Jay Bruce came in and hit every fastball to the freaking moon for the Reds when he came up, and he was an MVP candidate for a month and a half, and then all of a sudden pitchers learned how to throw him a curveball, and he was a <laughs> 2-10 hitter, right? And so a little bit of that is overstated, but Aller came in, he did well. It was only a couple of series, but I believe that he could come in and, and be effective. Now, would he? would it be a straight line? It absolutely would not, right? It would be up and down. And he would take his licks. And I don't know if now was the right time. But what I can tell you is. Drew Hollard does a lot of things that Sean Clifford cannot do. And if Sean Clifford is going to continue to throw pick sixes. And take entire quarters where the offense goes into a shell. You know I get that he's the co-offensive player of the week. But there is real competition. A fire under his you know what. And a kid that could come in there tomorrow and, and do as good a job. I, I truly believe that. And I believe it based upon seeing it at the college level. Right. And and I'll let you go in a sec, but, but the last comment I'll make on that is I think so often we take what we hear coming from camp or from the media. And there's some great media folks that go to practice and see the last 15 minutes. But you know, these kids, after they leave high school, they go into a box and we never hear from them again, unless the media relations director of Penn State, you know, makes them open to us. So we didn't really know anything until he stepped out there on the field, even until the prior week when he was announced as the backup. But what he showed me the other day, shows me that there is something there. And uh, I think James Franklin should think long and hard about giving him first half time against Ohio next week. Wow. Um,
1: wow. First half time against Ohio, that would certainly be interesting. I think I think it'd be a good move again to, to get him to keep playing because the way Sean Clifford's history has been, as we all know, injuries have always been a factor because of the way he plays. And also interceptions and, and potentially being benched. Sean Clifford really wasn't being pushed last year. Um, with all due respect to take Taquan Roberson. And Christian Veiu, um, last year, they they weren't they weren't ready when he went down at Iowa. They just weren't. He wasn't being pushed. There was no competition for his spot. Now, as you mentioned, there is, and hopefully that elevates Clifford's game. But also, I think Drew is really nipping at his heels right now. But for the coaching staff to make a change, there would have to be something pretty drastic to happen and i thought step one would have been losing to purdue but it you know obviously that didn't happen uh thank god um uh, but yet you have I, I would love to see him first first uh half reps against ohio because who's to say next week at auburn clifford doesn't get hurt in the first series of the game you know um put him out there with live bullets even though it's ohio put him out there in a zero zero game you know because that's, that's what you're really prepping for for the future with this guy.
0: So that's how I look at it. Are you surprised at my opinion on the matter? No, because I know how good
1: he is. And I've been trying to tell people, like, you know, it's not. It's Myself just, included. Yourself included because, <laughs> so, the Josh out, they compared him to Big Ben on the broadcast. I don't really see that. The Josh Allen comparison is—that's what I
0: heard. From I don't a couple see times. that, man. I okay.
1: really don't. <laughs> okay, but that's—that's that's
0: what I heard. Best from a quarterback computer. in the world. Well, I... okay, yeah.
1: Well, shoot for the stars. But um
0: where was I going with this?
1: Um, oh, are
0: you, you're talking about were you surprised that I, you know, have saw what I saw and have come to the No, I think and, because and Bob, I color. think that.
1: That the people that see, people know what Clifford is, and and there and Joe Clad even said there's a reason, and I'm paraphrasing. There's a reason he's a six like a six year quarterback. Like you're still in college, and
0: and I, I don't really know if that's a God, novel, That was but, good. Um. Oh my goodness, that was a great line, Tyler. I believe what it was is I know how this goes. You know, with veteran multi year quarterbacks. It's a love-hate because you've been there for a while, and if you've been there for a while, it's because you haven't been good enough to leave. Exactly. And
1: in Sean Clifford's case, absolutely true. In Sean Clifford's case, he's using the COVID year. He's heading up the um, limitless NIL. For him, it's a no-brainer to stay, But at the same time, let's face it, it's because he's not really good enough to play at the next level you have a guy under him that is certainly good enough to play at the next level, um, even though it's still three years away. Uh, but it, it, I am not surprised how good he looked in the sample size that we saw, just because I've, I've heard it. I've seen it. Um, not at this level, obviously, but he he's just different. And um, we're probably only going to see him as two years as a starter at Penn State. Because he's probably gonna be a three and done. And I just hope we don't waste anything this that, year with that, him.
0: That would be good for Penn yeah. State, right? If you believe in for three years, it's a good thing.
1: But I just hope that we don't waste anything this year with him for an eight and four type of season. My what I'm trying to say is if if they, Penn State goes down, loses to Auburn, um, just say lose to Michigan. They're four and two. You know, I, I guess they probably play out the rest of October, Ohio State, Minnesota, whatever. But at some point, you really have to say, All right, we have three three losses. Let's get this guy going. Let's get this train moving for next year and the year after. You
0: know what I mean? I I, I hope he gets snaps prior to that. Because... Well, I
1: hope it's I hope it's exactly I hope it's not he's not getting snaps because of the situation. But yeah, keep, keep putting them in there because, dude, I mean, look at what – and I'm, this is a little different, but Trevor Lawrence and Kelly Bryant. Like, yeah. that Clemson team was phenomenal. I mean, I think they were coming off of a national championship or something. But, but I mean, they started Kelly Bryant. They were playing both. After four games, Trevor Lawrence. You know, the, the rest is history. So, um, It's going to be interesting to see how they handle it, Um, and I certainly hope they continue to give him meaningful snaps. Well, consider
0: me impressed. Uh, I saw things in Drew Aller that are good enough to quarterback a Big Ten football team right now, today.
1: And I will say this: I'm, I don't know how the game would have played out if Clifford never came back, and we'll never know. But having the experience. That Clifford has, I think, probably benefited Penn State in that game.
0: Here's the question. We know how the last drive went. I think experience was helpful there. Do you think that pick six gets thrown, which puts Purdue in the lead? Do you think that Penn State doesn't score another third quarter or early fourth quarter touchdown with Drew Aller running the offense perhaps a bit more efficiently? Do they need a last-minute comeback drive? It's, if Oller plays the entire day of the second
1: half. All all great points that, that we'll never know. I mean, on Drew's first drive, technically, they were going down the score. If Tyler Warren catches that ball, they're in, they're pretty much in the red zone. Like, just a couple plays in. On that third right. down, and a good learning experience, he he tried firing it into Tinsley. Oller had a ton of room to take off, and the announcer said, you, you know, it's Glad just a freshman. On. Right. So he was moving the ball. I mean, it's not like that he wasn't moving the ball. So I'm guessing that if Warren would have held on to that, they probably would have put at least three up on the board. We'll never know. Uh, but he is fun to watch. He just spins it differently. It comes off his hand like a fastball, man. It's, it's just different.
0: We'll keep an eye on that as we go along here. We'll talk about the defense on the other side. This is the Nittany Lions Sports Report. Bob Long, Tyler Galehouse. Thanks for being with us. Stay right here. Dunphy Ford is Mayfair's neighborhood Ford store. Nobody knows your
1: neighborhood like Dunphy
0: Ford. Nearly 40 years.
1: Right here on Frankfort Avenue. Generation after generation, our neighbors continue to be our customers. We have access to the cars and trucks you want with financing you need. Dunphy Ford is Northeast Philly's first choice for
0: America's number one brand. 7700 Frankfort Avenue in Mayfair. Online
1: at www.dunphyford.com. Come experience the Dunphy difference. You'll be glad
0: you did. Back here on the Nittany Lions Sports Report, your hosts, Bob Long, Tyler Galehouse, back for, gosh, I don't know, a fifth or sixth year doing this. Mm. This has been really fun. And a lot of, lot of Penn State talk over the years. It's been enjoyable and sort of another great season. So we talk about the defense now, Tyler. I am going to start it with uh, a close to home um, pitch, if you will. Absolutely brutal, brutal call. Against my man Abdul Carter, in one of his first, maybe his first, one of his first snaps, he was as a collegiate athlete, yeah. And uh, ball is dropped. He's backup linebacker. Curtis Jacobs is taking him under his wing. He's wearing number eleven. Just Micah Parsons, LeVar Arrington. All the reports have been that he's been a, a real model citizen, coachable, working really hard, kind of making that step to the next level. Um, And after what we're about to talk about, he was, you know, on the sidelines, really fired up, firing up the crowd. First guy out there to look after Curtis Jacobs when he went down. We're Abdul Carter fans here on the show. But all that to say, a screen pass is dropped. The Purdue running back or slot receiver, I forget which, started sort of going after the ball. Abdul Carter, naturally further away from the football than the intended receiver who dropped it in his hands. He dives for it, gets the Purdue receiver in the helmet. I kind of can't believe, neither can the announcers, neither can Penn State fans, can't believe that they're actually reviewing it, and they kick him out of the game for targeting. Well, problem number one was
1: the referee never blew his whistle. Yep. So – so it's a live but football. At that point. did everything that he he's taught to do, and that is play until you hear the whistle. I, maybe he thought it was a a fumble because he the receiver wasn't that far up the line of scrimmage. Where from his standpoint, maybe it looked like a backwards pass. He was going to get the ball because yeah. and and the other part is is he never even the, the 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 view I got was like yeah, his helmet hit the Purdue guy's helmet, but it's more like his shoulder too. And just a bizarre call. Like, I, I don't even – the targeting rules are so – you're good with words. Bob, you got a good vocab. Inconsistent, I guess you could say. You just never know when a play is called. And I don't even know how, how you can – I don't like the fact that you can look at a play for targeting, this is my opinion, when there was no flag on the field. Unfortunately, they can do that. I just they think they absolutely if, can. If if it's targeting, like you, you really like it, should be so obvious that there's yeah. flags flying out. In my opinion, because yeah. it, should be side, it should be egregious. It should be egregious
0: and malicious it, in it real time. Have, yeah, and 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 I just see it.
1: Now, could they have gotten Abdul quarter with the unsportsmanlike late hit if if they blew the whistle? Maybe. I don't know that's, but they never blew a whistle. I was so confused why they were, why they were reviewing the play. Like when yep. the ref came on, I, I was so confused and then they throw them out, which they shouldn't have. So they, they really made two mistakes. One reviewing it and two and throwing them out. Yep. And it gave Purdue. Yep. it would have, I think it would have been, was that their first down or second down?
0: I forget I what that I can't
1: remember was, but it it, it gave them 15 yards they ended up scoring on that drive I believe yep. um so it was just very unfortunate and um yeah I mean I I was really excited to see him we'll, we'll see plenty of Abdul Carter including this week and for the next couple of years but just an unbelievable
0: way to start your college career yep The other guy I want to talk about is Joey Porter Jr. Polarizing figure on the Penn State message boards and amongst Penn State fans this week. Surprising that your top cornerback gets targeted as much as he did, but it was broken down pretty well on the broadcast that basically Penn State is lining up their top two corners on one end of the field regardless of where those receivers line up. It's not like he's just going to follow, what do they call it, Chuck Sizzle? (laughs) Chuck Sizzle. That's what Gus Johnson calls them. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> He's Just got. Simple. He does have. He, he does have great nicknames. GQJ for Jay Wright. Yeah, man. Um, he'll have to retire that one, unfortunately. But they targeted <laughs> Joey Porter a lot, a lot, a lot. And uh, I get it, right? Um, he did hold. He, you know, I think Purdue fans think that. Penn State cornerbacks got away with a lot. I will give Purdue offense this credit, and and Aiden O'Connell, they kind of this con, the uh, <laughs> wow, that's a mouthful. I'll give him this compliment. Um, they put a lot of pressure on a defense. They get the ball out quick. A pass rush doesn't do too too much against these guys. They yeah. give their receivers chances. They put them one on one with corners and just trust the quarterback to put the ball in a good spot and the receiver to go up and get it. And I will say that Penn state's cornerbacks, by and large, particularly in the second half, they did a great job matching physicality, getting in between the ball and the receiver breaking up plays. Yes, it was physical. It really was physical coverage. And with a different officiating crew, more penalties could have been called, but I thought that Porter did an excellent job. And I came away excited with, the number of targets that he got, and how he acquitted himself. Now, could have made two interceptions. That's the one, next one ball skills. Six. Yep. But did a pretty darn good job of breaking up passes. Thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously Joey Porter Jr. is the uh, – we talked about him last week, potentially the first defensive back to be drafted in the first round. From Penn State, I think he's off to a strong – strong case for for achieving that goal um you know early it, it, early on he was picked on and they were going after him and even when he gave up a completion he was like it was like a perfect pass he was right there for the tackle um and then in the second half man he just everything thrown at him, me knocked down it seemed like and um you know we, we're going to talk a lot about joey porter jr jair brown the secondary i thought uh Daqu- daquan hardy played a really solid game and um, outside of the, the, the punt where he couldn't down it at the one where he literally had it in his hands and lost it. Um, but outside of that defensively, he's pretty much the reason that Penn state was able to get the ball there at the end and get down and score. He made a couple of nice plays, that, um, you know, not letting the receiver come up with the reception. And one, he
0: was, one he was beaten and actually a better throw.
1: He under the receiver. A bit, a bit. Right,
0: but, right. but, I mean, you make it such if you're Daquan Hardy that a non-perfect throw becomes a mistake, right? And lesser corners would not have made that lesser throw be a mistake. And yeah. to his credit, he had the ball skills. He didn't give up on the play and made a heck of a play on the football. You're right. That right. was a huge breakup.
1: So, I uh, you know, Penn State saw... One of the few like spread throw almost every down offenses whatever you want to call it that they'll see I mean you know, as you said, give like purdue's offenses that they're set up well, I mean, and they're going up against probably the best secondary they'll see all year, but when it came down to it, they were unable to run for first downs they couldn't get the first downs they needed to secure a win, and right. you know I was i as you know, I was pretty upset with the Penn State defense for most of the game. Um but when when they needed to make stops they did and I'll give them credit for that. Manny Diaz dialed up some nice plays late bringing Dixon on a blitz that he sacked O'Connell. Yeah. Um because as as we as we said and I think you just mentioned they get the ball out so quickly that your pass rush even if you have a good pass rush it's it's probably not going to do much against Purdue. Because of how quickly they get the ball out. So um That's a pretty that's a pretty good quarterback there. He is. Aiden he, O'Connell even is even though he's a six year guy, he's pretty good.
0: <laughs>
1: that's right. Yes. But he is he is a good quarterback. So um and and he made he made some throws that game too. You know, mm-hmm. tight tight window and
0: um they just couldn't pick up first downs when it mattered most. I think the best compliment I can give O'Connell and really the, the Purdue offense is they put a ton of pressure on an opposing secondary and they forced Penn State to be good for 60 minutes. I mean, that's coming at you full throttle. Right. Yeah. You know, the other thing about that 35 31 game, you know, it's it, so how did it get to be such a high scoring game? It felt like Clifford was so bad for so long. But yeah, there were about 100 freaking possessions because nobody could run the ball effectively. They kept punting it back and forth to each other. Right. And then in the second half, both teams would just throw, throw, throw. They abandoned the run, couldn't get the big run when they needed it. And so, yeah, for were a ton of chances to get the football. No wonder mm-hmm. you score, you know, four or five touchdowns.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, but defensively, I, I, the defensive line, I don't know if it was, again, because of the scheme or that Purdue was putting out there, but they just – they weren't able to get a lot of pressure, um, and, and a lot of these guys haven't played football in a while. Mustafer coming off of an injury. Adisa Isaac wasn't, didn't play at all last year. King Beeman suspended last year. So I, I wasn't really impressed with the defensive line, but I know I think I know what they're capable of, and I'm hoping it was just a mix of rust and um, the opponent and, and what Purdue likes to do, which is why we really didn't see a dominant defensive line effort in that game.
0: Yeah, I I am interested to see. I thought Manny Diaz got creative at times with uh, not exactly bringing a ton of extra guys, but in disguising which guys they were actually bringing, right? So maybe back in that defensive end, if you will, or that outside linebacker coming from a down stance or being on the line of scrimmage, dropping him back, and then bringing another guy off the strong side, if you will, right? So overloading one end. Uh, I thought they did a nice job with that twisting and stunting I thought we saw some of that as well right there's that Manny Diaz flair with some of the same personnel that we saw from Brent Pry, who by the way Virginia Tech lost to Old Dominion and Ricky Ronnie this past weekend just to give an update on two former Penn State coordinators there (laughs) but but I like it I like it man I uh I like what Manny Diaz does there is some creativity he likes to bring pressure um, and you saw in Miami, he'll bring numbers, but he didn't do that as much at Penn State. It was more finding different creative ways to get guys into the backfield while sure. bringing four or maybe five. And that was great. I, I I think it's exciting. I think it's something that it's a bit of a complex defense from what I can tell. Just first time seeing it for 60 minutes, and I think guys will take time to get. You know, up to speed on it, but uh, but I think it has a chance to be a pretty darn good defense. I was frustrated as well at times, as I'm sure a lot of fans were watching the defense at at times. But I, the more I think about it, the more I go back and watch. I give a lot of credit to Purdue, and um, and I think Penn State's going to continue to figure it out against lesser throwing teams. I think Manny Diaz is a heck of a hire and I hope that the defense, you know, continues to grow. Yeah. New yeah I think,
1: I think he's a great hire. I mean, he's got a great defensive pedigree. Um, I'm curious to see um, how Penn state matches up against Auburn in two weeks, because you're going from a team like Purdue that loves to throw the ball to a team yeah. like Auburn, who wants to pound it with their running backs. And I'm interested to see how, how he game plans um, for for Auburn here in two weeks, because, um, it's it's a complete 180 from, from what, we're, what we've what game plan against Purdue. All
0: of a sudden, that's going to be a very important game to win as well. Um, and I guess important for what, I guess, is the question, right? What's the end goal? Is it to make the college football playoff? Is it to secure a New Year's Six Bowl game? Obviously, it's not going to help you in winning the Big Ten East. You'll have to beat Ohio State to do that and win the rest of your games. But point being is – Auburn loses that game to Penn State it doesn't get any easier for them and even if they win that game yeah that, that's a program that is picked to finish in the bottom half of the SEC West the Razorbacks of Arkansas have gotten considerably better uh, maybe LSU has certainly taken a step back by the way Chef's kiss there that was just phenomenal and could not happen to a better guy a better coach there and Brian Kelly but uh, you know, that's a tough game for Auburn. It, it's tough to see Auburn winning eight or nine games this year. And so, yeah, it's a big-time SEC opponent. Yes, it's on the road. But when you put it in that context, this game to Penn State kind of has to win, find a way to win.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think not to jump ahead to Auburn for next
0: next show, but um, – Sorry to the Bobcats, by the way. It, they didn't get much it, run here it, tonight. It, it's it,
1: it's a very <laughs> winnable game. And – um. I don't want to say it's a 50 50 game, but I think Auburn's team last year that came up to Penn state was, was a better team um, than, than what they have, what they have this year. So, but again, it's, you know, you're playing down at Auburn in Alabama, September humidity and heat. um, And, and we still, you know, we, who knows what Penn state team is going to show up and what Sean Clifford is going to show up. So, until we know, um, which we won't until the game, that's that's what it's gonna come down to. But it's an extremely winnable game. You have to like what you're going in to um because there's been a lot
0: better Auburn teams over the years. Sure have. Should be fun. Three thirty, CBS. That's unique for Penn State to be on that game there. That'll be for now exciting. it's unique. For now it's unique. You're right. You're right. Yep, Big Ten on CBS soon enough. By the way, uh, CBS. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you're a uh, if you're a big media contracts mogul, but that was like the best contract of all time for CBS. CBS paid orders of magnitude less for that time slot, and it was based upon timing and what the SEC was at the time and where the 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 world of contracts were at that particular juncture. Uh, you will never see a contract that good again. This is, I'm going to have a segment, I guess, some sort of media segment, right? We talked about Joe Buck and why Penn state was on Fox last week, which if you just you know missed us last week, because Joe Buck joined ESPN and ended his contract early at Fox, Fox got the second pick in the Rota, um, where they would normally have just the first, the third, the fifth and all the odds. So they took the second from ESPN. The first, they always take the Ohio State Michigan game, so you're picking a week, and they want the best game of that week. So they got the second pick. They picked week one, and they slotted this one into that Thursday night. So thanks to Joe Bach. that's why Penn State was on Fox. Uh, CBS. That's why they're one and zero.
1: Joe Buck. That's why they're one and
0: zero. That's right. And then then CBS uh, has had the most lucrative Saturday 3:30 you know p.m one of the most lucrative contracts in the history of sports television. So that will end soon enough. And the big 10 will take over that sec 330 slot. All right. When we start talking media though, maybe it's about time to shut her down. What do we <laughs> miss? Anything else we need to talk about tonight?
1: Um, uh, No, just going to know uh, Ohio here. Um, you know, I'd like to see Penn state work on the things that, they, they need to tune up um, because you really – you can't take anybody for granted uh, in college football, and um, Ohio's already beat you once at home uh, back in 2012, I believe it was, right? So um, – but you want you kind of want to just prepare like it's any other game, but with that in mind, tighten, tighten everything up and, and get ready and use it as a springboard in the next week at
0: Auburn. Good stuff. We'll be looking forward to that one. It's a noon kickoff. <laughs> at Beaver Stadium, home opener. If you're going up there, enjoy yourself and be safe. Bob Long, Tyler Gellhouse here for the Nittany Lions Sports Report. As always, enjoy the football, and we'll talk to you next week.